0: Welcome to the Caris Molecular Minute Podcast. I'm your host, Shadi Nabhan. I'm the chairman of the Precision Oncology Alliance at Karis Life Sciences. The Precision Oncology Alliance is the large collaborative research network focused on precision oncology and understanding the intersection between clinical care and precision medicine. This is really an important podcast because today I have the honor and pleasure of hosting Dr. Eloisa Suarez from the Huntsman Cancer Institute, where she leads the neuroendocrine tumor initiatives. And, you know, the neuroendocrine tumors are rather rare tumors, but they are now more prevalent and they are detected more often by virtue of we just know more about them and we're able to actually make a diagnosis with increased expertise. But what I wanted to understand from Dr. Suarez is what's happening clinically in this disease, how we are treating this disease, and more importantly, what are the elements that allow us to understand the prognosis of neuroendocrine tumors on the molecular level as well as on the histopathology level. So I appreciate you tuning in to the Keras Molecular Minute podcast to listen to all things neuroendocrine tumors. Of course, you uh, can find us on all podcast outlets you can please rate the show on Apple Podcasts, give us the number of stars you think we deserve, and write a brief review, refer a friend or a colleague to the podcast. For that, I'm very appreciative. And without further ado, Dr. Eloisa Suarez on the Keris Molecular Minute Podcast. <music> Well, it's really a pleasure of mine to host Dr. Eloisa Suarez from the Huntsman Cancer Institute, University of Utah, on today's podcast, the Caris Molecular Minute podcast. Dr. Suarez will introduce herself in a little bit, but we really wanted to talk to her about really this um, entity called neuroendocrine tumors, because it just seems to be a, a, a more recognized entity, at least for me, that I'm just seeing a lot more uh, happening in that particular area and the intersection of what that disease looks like and and how we really can bring it into understanding the biology treatment and um, uh, the sequencing opportunities in that disease. Louisa, it's such a pleasure to have you on the Keras Molecular Minute podcast. Uh, Maybe for folks who don't know you and hearing you for the first time, a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and how you spend your time between clinical, researching patients, and and then what got you interested in... um, in GI oncology, I guess.
1: Sure, thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. So I'm Eloisa Swires, I'm a, a medical oncologist with focus in GI cancers and endocrine tumors. Um, the accent that you are hearing is because I, uh, I'm from Brazil. I came to US after um, med school and then did my training in Miami and then uh, fellowship at UCLA where I also got uh, my PhD in molecular biology. Since I graduated, I've been at Moffitt, and that's uh, where my interest in neuroendocrine tumors actually arose. Um, I was early career faculty for Dr. Jonathan Strasberg, who is a very well-known expert in neuroendocrine tumors um, um, in, in the U.S., and Worldwide. And then later have been at the University of New Mexico and now I'm here um, at the Huntsman Cancer Institute at the University of Utah, um, co-leading the uh, GI research group along with Dr. Ignacio Garrido, who you know as very well as well. So it was a pleasure to be with you. And um, in terms of why I decided to do GI oncology, um, that was when I was actually in residency and I was doing rotations at silverstone Cancer um, Center. I did a lot of rotations to, with Dr. Rocha Lima, who happens to be Brazilian as well. And then um, he was a really role model, the way that he cared for patients, the way that, um, you know, how challenging it was to take care of GI patients, pancreatic cancer, who unfortunately is still a very devastating disease. That would made me to uh, want to do that. And then when I got hired at Moffitt, fast forward several years, in addition to doing GI, Dr. Strasberg needed some help with the neuroendocrine tumors. And then I became fascinated by the, uh, by the disease itself, but also f- um, really fell in love with the patient population. These are very um, special uh, patients. Um, they're extremely well um, educated and they have been through so much. Um, um, many of them have been through so much from the time of the initial symptoms to the time of the diagnosis, that really um, you know, spoke to my heart. And then I became a, a huge um, advocate for these patients and for caring for this disease.
0: You know, what? what's interesting is how we are all in our academic career are affected by the mentors and the people that we work with. Absolutely. And listening to you, you know, when you do residency and fellowship, it's not like you said, okay, I'm going to be doing neuroendocrine tumors. It's just things happen by serendipity and you get, um, you know, you get influenced by the people that you work with. It's It's always fascinating. But, you know, look. You're originally from Brazil. It's impossible not to talk about soccer, even for 60 seconds.
1: Yes, go ahead.
0: So you have to (laughs) tell me, do you follow soccer very uh, religiously? Because if you don't follow soccer religiously, the Brazilians, I don't know, they will be very unhappy now. Yeah,
1: not, well, when I was there, yes, I, I was following. I was going to the games every Sunday. Since I came to U.S., I... I, I I don't attend games anymore uh, I'll be in trouble, but you know it's, it is what it is. I still Brazil is still the, the the better team in the in the world, better than argentina, better than oh, germany
0: so of course Italy yeah. you
1: know, so yeah. let's just leave it like that
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it like that i i love uh, i I love the Brazilian team, okay, so I think we know g i oncology in general whenever you yeah. mention the word g i oncology you know I think what comes to my mind is you know. Colon, small bowel, liver, pancreas, and so forth. What 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 are neuroendocrine tumors? What, what are we talking about? What yeah. are these neuroendocrine tumors?
1: Yeah, great question. So, neuroendocrine tumors uh, can actually happen in any part of the the body, and they originate from any neuroendocrine tumor cells in the body. But the reason why we most of us, when we think about uh, nets or neuroendocrine tumor neoplasms, we can touch a little bit on the classification in a second. We we our minds, or maybe I'm biased, always goes to GI. Why? Because about 60% of all the nets are actually originating in the GI tract. And then within that, um, we have a lot of pancreas nets and small bowel nets, also some um, rectal nets up in the And then about a little bit, perhaps less than. Thirty percent is lung nets, and then the rest is all over. But within the family of neuroendocrine tumor neoplasms, you also have, you know, the pheochromocytomas the paragangliomas. Merck cell could be potentially be included on on that bigger category of neuroendocrine tumor neoplasms uh, per se. And when, especially if you are thinking about uh, GI neuroendocrine tumors or neoplasmas, it's very important to divide, are we talking about a well-differentiated neuroendocrine tumor, or are we talking about a poorly differentiated neuroendocrine carcinoma? And that's why when the new uh, WHO classification for GI neuroendocrine neoplasmas came, it actually emphasizes that when you call them as a as a whole group, we call it neoplasmas, and then you divide it uh, further, depending on their morphology, in well differentiated versus poorly differentiated, and that has huge impact on um, prognosis of the patient and how you actually uh, treat these patients. Uh, so, for the oncologists in the audience that are uh, listening to this, if they have a, if they have a, a pathology report that says this is a neuroendocrine cancer, neuroendocrine carcinoma, but they also say is well differentiated in the kr sixty seven is two. That's probably, a, we should reclassify this per the new per the new WHO classification as a uh, neuroendocrine tumor. So it's always interesting to see these uh, nuances in the nomenclature. Also, this is super important because uh, you you have to decide on treatments for patients based on that. And sometimes insurances and payers can block treatments because they will use the nomenclature, the old nomenclature to deny and even say, wait a minute, you know, you let's talk about the. The current nomenclature, with the the current way that the things have been approved by the FDA, and hopefully provide patients the care that they need.
0: So, Eloisa, the the um, so do you see the non-GI neuroendocrine tumors? Or is I do. It- I, I do.
1: Okay. I also, I also see in the clinic. I mean, Huntsman is an amazing place. I, I have lots of excellent colleagues in 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 the lung uh, thoracic group, but I I uh, I also see uh, lung neuroendocrine. Uh, tumors, not small cell. We have an amazing faculty here, Dr. Uh, puri that does the, the small cell lung, but uh, the extra pulmonary small cell. I will see it as well as the lung um, typical and atypical carcinoids and the para glomomas in the fields as well.
0: Now you mentioned we look at the morphology, poorly differentiated versus well differentiated, which really has a lot of prognostic. Um, value as well as possible treatment implications. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond the morphology, I think, you know, in 2021, I, I would presume there's a lot more understanding of the biology of disease beyond morphology. How much do we know on the molecular level for neuroendocrine tumors? What, who does well? Who does uh, better? And is that difference between GI and non-GI on the molecular? Yes, level?
1: yes. so spot on. So um, how much do we know? Not as nearly as much as we should. Um, So I think uh, the easy way to answer that is thinking first about the more aggressive tumors, the poorly differentiated tumors, you know, we treat them um, when it comes to us as lung cancer. And most recently, thanks to precision oncology and, you know, next generation sequencing, we realized that the GI uh, poorly differentiated tumors are actually much more closely resembling GI um, adenocarcinomas rather than a small cell lung cancer. And that hints that we probably should be treating these tumors a little bit more um, with the GI cocktail tails rather than using the, you know, using the guidelines for the small cell um, lung cancers. So when I have a patient that has a, that has a fully differentiated neuroendocrine carcinoma, I immediately order uh, next generation sequencing because they really will help me um, to decide, not so much the first line of treatment because we, we have our uh, f- first line, but actually definitely can guide me through the second line and so forth. Not to mention that at some point I might decide that you do, you know, target therapy if there is uh, something that's targetable. These patients, unfortunately, have very little um, standard of care options. So any help that we can uh, take from learning from these tumors more is important.
0: For the well differentiated, the, the sequencing also important for the well differentiated or you reserve that only for the poorly differentiated?
1: So for the well-differentiated, it's not as the very first order that I put because we have very well-established and good medications that we can use for the well-differentiated tumors I'm talking here of somatosting analogs. But I think as the tumor evolves um, and then when the patients are exhausting the standard of care options that they have, I think it's very important to consider... um, uh, profiling this tumors to see what next options are doing. We are not making decisions right now in the same way that we do for lung or for a biliary tract that you know it can actually really guide my my decision um of standard of care. I think we'll get there. We just need it, it's a rare disease. It's unfortunately or fortunately is in, in increasing in um, prevalence and in incidence. So I think that will help us to collect more tissue and having more analysis and, and, and tailoring the future. There's a lot of um, research in the field, but it hasn't quite led to, at the second, making decisions in the clinic for the well-differentiated tumors.
0: How rare are we talking? Like, how many cases a year of neuroendocrine tumors?
1: I think in the U.S., most recently, Arvind Dasari has published uh, some of that. I think we have close to maybe uh, two hundred thousand cases in the U.S. Just to uh, put in perspective, as um, if you think about all GI cancers, is be- just behind colon cancer as the second highest um, GI cancer. If you if you plug in all together, so we'll be seeing more and more.
0: But that's prevalence, like incidence. Prevalence, yeah. How many new cases a year do we know? Like, uh,
1: I think it's now is about uh, six to seven cases per uh, hundred thousand in the population.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about treatment. Localize, maybe divide this into localized mm-hmm. disease and and disseminated disease. So. Mm-hmm. For localized disease, is it surgery? Is it what, what, in the what?
1: well-differentiated? Yes, surgery, surgery, surgery. If you can resect, um, if you ha- even if you have oligometastatic disease and you can go for resection, uh, that's the best option, most likely for the patient, unless there's a contraindication. But in general, if you uh, localize disease in the well-differentiated, you should go for uh, for surgery. In the small cell situation, with the more aggressive, um, you know. Um, Surgery should not be the first step. I think um, um, systemic treatment should be the first step, step, and decided on resection in a really case by case situation.
0: Even if it's localized, like do you see a lot of localized and poorly differentiated? Or this is really not like. It's,
1: it's no. Unfortunately, most of the cases will present already with uh, with metastatic disease. But once in a while, uh, we do. We just. I just had a young uh, woman in clinic in the last few months who presented with a localized upper GI uh, small cell tumor. And, you know, we decided to go ahead with the uh, total TNT approach. And because she was so young, consideration for surgery after that if she does well after oh. the initial new adjuvant approach. And someone older, uh, more frail, I probably would just go with definitive uh, chemoradi- systemic treatment followed by uh, chemoradiation afterwards.
0: So for disseminated disease, is it still we do octreotide scan? If it's positive, we do sandostatin? Or is that like, because uh, I have to recertify for medical oncology boards in two years. So please tell me if things have changed, please.
1: Yeah, we should do. Uh, yes, we should yeah. do. But not the octreotide scan because that's um, older technology. We <laughs> now have uh, either uh, gallium 68, uh, dotatate PET CT or Copper 64. DotaTate PET-CT, so it's PET-CT technology to assess somatostein receptor imaging. And uh, that's is always good um, to do at baseline so you have a bigger sense of of the volume of disease. And then if it's positive, yes. A somatostatin analog, we have two in the market. One is octreotide and the other one is uh, laryotide that can be used as first line of treatment.
0: Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, this could work for a long time, uh, and then when seven years. So, so once they stop working, then what do you do?
1: If these tumors are uh, pancreatic uh, neuroendocrine tumors, then you can discuss um, cytotoxic chemotherapy with capecitabine and Temozolomide, thanks to the work from from the NCI uh, and Dr. Kuns. They published or they presented the work that improves uh, progression of survival in these patients. Another option is Everolimus, which is an mTOR inhibitor. Another option is uh, PRRT, which is uh, Lutathera That's, um, um, that can be done as well with the concept of theranostics. And there's also Um, um If someone only progresses in the liver, you can argue that you could do liver-directed therapy. So there's a lot of second, there's a lot of next, next options. And then the, the key is to figure out what's the best next. Um, sequencing option and each patient is a little bit different. For someone that has a, a small bowel neuroendocrine tumor, the head progressed, you know, many of us tend to use lutetium 177, which is PRT as the second line, thanks to the, the another one study that was published in New England a few years ago by Dr. Strasberg. They really show a huge impact in progression free survival and overall survival of the patients and quality of life.
0: So then what's happening, I mean, right now, I presume, and, and I'm 100% certain you're very involved in many clinical trials. What, what's on the horizon for this disease? Um, because obviously it's not curable once it's static yes. and, and we need to find additional therapies. So what's on the horizon? What's exciting you at least to the extent you can share with us yes. uh, on the horizon? Thank you.
1: So as all of us, we hope to improve uh, the cure rates of these tumors. And I can tell you... Um, uh, that uh, Dr. Hamad, myself, Dr. Strasberg, Dr. Asari, and many on the SWAG group are working on an adjuvant trial for patients with pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors. So we know that about 30 plus percent of the patients that have a resected pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor, they will recur. And we know that if they were to recur, the median timing for recurrence is, is between 24 to 36 months. So based on the data from dr cruz and the in the metastatic setting is there a role for cytotoxic chemotherapy after the resection of patients with um, pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors that have a high risk uh, features for recurrence and that's where in uh, precision oncology uh, might take place because we hope through this work also collect the tissue of these patients and you know collaborate doing precision oncology and GS and try to identify, are there any features in these tumors that will predict that they're going to recur? And also, um, do we have, would chemotherapy make the difference? So this study has been um, um, approved by the GI Stream Committee, has been reviewed by CTEP. I'm actually presenting this SWOG meeting update, and hopefully it will help to answer um, The question in the adjuvant setting to some extent for pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors. There's a few other um, things that are in the horizon. Uh, We just finished a clinical uh, trials planning meeting with the NCI and many members of the NET task force. Uh, That was uh, extremely encouraging. Uh, We, 10 years ago, we didn't have preclinical data to design studies. Now we have a We're not perfect, but we have much more preclinical data that's helping to direct clinical trials in the future. To the extent what I can say, because it's too confidential, there will be some, um, hopefully in the next several years, some exciting trials um, coming up from the NCI uh, pipeline.
0: Eloisa, if you put your futuristic hat, I mean, do you see, well, I'll tell you, I mean, at least what I think in a lot of diseases, we're just going beyond histopathology right now because mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to look at the underpinning of the molecular drivers and so forth. If you put your futuristic cast, do, do you th- do you see in this particular disease, in neuroendocrine tumors, yeah. where do you see the intersection between precision oncology, genomic sequencing, and the management of neuroendocrine tumors? Yeah, I, th- I,
1: I think uh, we will be able to... Um, this is not two years from now. I think I'm thinking more five to 10 years from now. As we, we learn more about um, the overall modulation of the tumors, there's a lot related to uh, chromatin uh, remodulation and, and things like that. They will be able to classify uh, the tumors in different categories and decide on treatments uh, depending on that. For example, is this a, a tumor that will benefit from a HDAC inhibitor? Um, versus a tumor that is not. And that's how I see it. I I think it will be much less about the true mutations, especially for the well-differentiated, to the true mutations that we see in the tumors because they tend not to have so much, but the whole overall um, environment.
0: That's really wonderful. Is there anything I should have asked you about uh, this disease that you think listeners would love to know? I thought it was just a great summary and concise summary of the disease, but anything else that... I should have asked you, and I did not, because I'm not an expert in neuroendocrine tumors, so I may have missed a question that I should have asked you.
1: No, I think for um, the the physicians there in the community, um, it's very helpful um, to reach out to um, experts in the field, and there are a few. We to at least touch bases once or twice, even if it's not official consultation with a, a, a NET expert, it just helps because there's so much excitement going on. It's hard as a general oncologist to keep up with everything. So having a colleague to to be part of the team is important. Making sure that the the, the the patients have their appropriate imaging, and not to forget about clinical trials. And yes, for the high-grade tumors, I'm a huge fan of tumor sequencing because I think it can really help patients in deciding treatments moving forward.
0: Aloisa, thank you so much for being with us and uh, for spending some time on the Caris Molecular Minute podcast. Uh, Really, thank you, Dr. Aloisa Suarez from the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be with you.
0: Take care thanks everyone for listening i've learned a lot about neuroendocrine tumors and i hope that you did as well i appreciate you tuning in i appreciate your support i appreciate your listening and i'd like to hear from you how well uh, we're doing on this podcast. You can send me a note and an email to cnabhan at charisls.com. You could also send me a direct message on Twitter at Shadi Nabhan. That's at C H A D I N A B H A N. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the Keris Molecular Minute Podcast. And until next time, take care.